Hey, this is the Adventure Almanac Podcast. Stories about adventure and what we learn along the way. These stories are short, but that doesn't mean they're simple. It's impossible to understand the complexity of any person's story in just a few minutes. So we hope you use these stories as a jumping off point for your own curiosity. In this episode, we follow 10 days of Tai Singh's life. Beyond these 10 days, little is known about Singh. We can't even agree on the spelling of his name or his cultural history. It is assumed that he was Chinese-American, but no one is sure. We do know that he earned a reputation for being one of the best camp chefs in the West. Do you have a favorite meal? What's your most memorable meal? Was it the food? The location? The company? Or perhaps some combination of all of the above? Sharing food has been an essential component of community for as long as we have been around. This episode is about how Singh used food to bring strangers together and change the American landscape with his service. Singh's planning, creativity, and adaptability surprised and delighted the group, and they left the wilderness more inspired than ever. Are you ready for an adventure? All right now, let's go. Smoke hung in the air over the battlefields. It was July 1915, and World War I was raging across Europe. The United States was still on the sidelines, waiting and watching the chaos unfold. Two men in California were not waiting for the destruction of America. They were on a mission to save America's landscapes. Okay, that's a little dramatic, but, but they did recognize that public lands were valuable and needed to be protected. Mather and Albright spared no expense. The city papers had already announced that the big men of Washington were gathering for a journey across the Sierra Nevada mountain range. They made front page news despite the war coverage. No pressure, right? The steam whistle sighed as the train stopped in Visalia, California. Stepping out of the train were millionaires, writers, photographers, publishers, the head of the Museum of Natural History, and a congressman. A national park was not a new idea. Yellowstone was established in 1872, and a dozen other parks were established over the next 40 years. But these parks were disconnected and being run by the army. Mather's vision was to unite a group of powerful men to champion a new movement to establish a national park system to protect and serve the land. When the 18 men left the Palace Hotel, they left their formal clothes and any assumptions of luxury behind. As they bumped along the rough Colony Mill Road for 60 miles and made frequent stops to push the car uphill, the guests feared the worst. Then the cars came to a sputtering stop. The group stood in the shade and looked up. They were in the land of giants, Sequoia Park, home to some of the largest trees on earth. It took 30 men and two horses to surround the base of a single tree. In the shadow of these leafy giants, they were already starting to feel the power of nature. The air was cool 6,000 feet above sea level. It was perfect camping weather. Mather was famous for saying, give a man a poor breakfast and a bad night's sleep, and he will not care how fine your scenery is. He'd equipped the group with new inflatable air mattresses, sleeping bags, Levi jeans, boots, and hats. Mather believed that a few hard moments were good for the spirit of adventure, but most importantly, he wanted everyone to have an undeniably good time. Some of the guests thought they would be roughing it in the wilderness, eating terrible camp food and losing weight from all the hiking all day, but they clearly hadn't met Tai Singh. 
Singh had cooked for the U.S. Geological Survey for nearly 30 years. Among the surveyors, he was famous. They even named a peak after him. It was an especially high honor considering that an 1882 Chinese Exclusion Act still prevented Chinese immigration and limited Chinese men to careers in things like road building, cooking, and laundry. Yet his cooking skills elevated him to an almost mythical status. Mather had insisted that they spared no expense, so Marshall had gotten the best chef around. It took Singh weeks to plan and organize all of the food for this incredible adventure, but he was on a mission to create an unforgettable experience. The 18 men changed out of their coats and ties and into jeans and shirts provided. Through the trees, they detected a faint glow. As the sun was setting, they followed the orange light and arrived at an unbelievable sight, a log table draped by a white tablecloth. Singh and his assistant Eugene carefully unpacked each individually wrapped piece of china and silverware and placed them on the table. They stared in amazement. Singh had worked his magic to exceed all expectations. He knew food was the fuel for the body and spirit. As Singh peered behind his makeshift camp stove, he could hear the guests laughing, cracking jokes and starting to give each other nicknames. They even announced a beard competition. He smiled to himself. This was a good sign. Most of the men practically leapt out of their sleeping bags when Johnson woke up the group with an early morning wake-up yell. Of course, Singh had already been up for hours, cooking and preparing for the day. There was no instant oatmeal or power bars on this trip. No, no, no. These men woke up to the smell of eggs, potatoes, sausages, and steak frying on the grill. Pancakes were bubbling on the other grill, and biscuits with honey were already laid out on the table with fresh fruit, lemonade, and coffee. While the men began eating, Singh organized all of his equipment and packed individual box lunches. He also had to feed 22 other men on the pack team, clean everything, break down the kitchen, pack it up, and then speed down the trail to get to the next campsite to build the kitchen, make a table, and start cooking dinner so it would be ready in time. Mather and the 17 guests left on horseback while Singh stayed behind to break camp. When the guests climbed Mora Rock for an expansive view of the Sierra Nevadas, Singh and his team consisting of 30 horses and mules continued down the trail and didn't stop until camp. This pace was the only way for them to get to camp first. Singh was meticulous. The other men joked that maybe he was a little too possessive of the mules. He never took his eyes off them. The mules carried the kitchen, decorations, and all of the food. Beyond the quality of the food on the first day, perhaps what surprised the men the most were Singh's culinary innovations. He wrapped the steaks in wet newspapers from the cold creek to keep the meat from spoiling. They watched in amazement as he took sourdough starter and made a batch of dough. Then he separated the dough into strips, wrapped them, and packed the dough between the packs and the side of the mules. The body heat of the mules acted like an oven and helped the dough rise so that when it was time for dinner that night, they didn't have to wait for fresh bread. Mather and the guests passed over Panther Gap and followed the middle fork of the Kuwe Creek for a few miles until they arrived at a beautiful grove of redwoods. Singh already had a fire going, table set, hors d'oeuvres laid out, and fresh biscuits in the oven. Being camp chef was not easy. Singh was up before sunrise to prepare for the day and up late into night cleaning up after dinner. On the third morning of the trip, he looked at his supplies and decided he could get a head start by packing some of the delicacies, what he liked to call the tasties, that wouldn't be needed until dinner time. The guests were slowly grumbling awake, so he tied one of the mules in the meadow and ran back to his stove to finish frying eggs and potatoes. As the group finished breakfast, 
Singh had a sinking feeling in his heart. He ran to the meadow. The mule was gone. Vanished. He searched everywhere and there was no sign of it. Mather even helped organize a search party, but somehow the mule had disappeared without a trace. Singh felt like he had let everyone down. Not only had he lost valuable supplies, but he would have to totally reconfigure his meal planning. He had to adapt, adjust, and improvise. The group had a late start looking for the mule, so they already had to adjust their plans. When the group arrived at Johnson Camp at Mineral Springs, they had a free afternoon to explore and relax, but not sing. He whipped up a dinner that included fried chicken, venison, soup, salad, and apple pie for dessert. A relaxing day and a big dinner was exactly what the men needed that night. The next day they were planning to cross the Great Western Divide. Mather warned the men that it was a hazardous path. Steep trails, storms, avalanches, bears, cougars, rattlesnakes. He really sold it. So much so that two of the guests decided that they would wait and take another way around. Up and over was the only option for Singh. In a single file line, the pack train started up the steep, slippery path. They made it to the 11,000-foot summit, and they could see gray granite peaks in every direction. There was no time to soak in the magnificent view. It was a steep descent, with serpentine switchbacks folding back on themselves. Singh watched the pack train bob and slide their way down the trail. All of a sudden, there was a big cloud of dirt and dust rolling down the side of the mountain. One of the mules, his mules, had walked off the trail and was tumbling head over hooves, flinging food and kitchen equipment across the mountain. Singh screamed as the mule fell 300 feet below. Then, as if nothing had happened, the mule landed on all four feet, looked up, and simply walked back onto the trail with only a small scrape on its nose. Singh did his best to collect all the items, but again more food was lost, including his famous sourdough starter. They continued down the endless switchbacks. They passed the cold creek where Mather had jumped in the water and pretended he was a chicken to persuade others to join him in the water. They had to keep moving. When they reached the valley floor, they had to cross the big Arroyo River. They waded into the water and without warning, horses, men, and mules were swept off their feet, washed down river, and stuck in the mud. It was just one of those days. They arrived to camp and Singh hustled to prepare dinner. It was after 10 p.m. by the time everything was ready, and there was a few grumbles about a late dinner. But once the guests started eating, there were only compliments. He had done it again. Although his meticulous planning had been thwarted and many of his supplies had been lost, his creativity saved the day. The next morning, while everyone slept in, Singh prepared a gourmet breakfast that was beyond indulgent. Fried trout, steaks, potatoes, biscuits, the remaining grapefruit that hadn't been pulverized by fall or fate. He could still be creative with the supplies he had. The men joked that they were just going to stand by the kitchen and fish trout right from the stream into Singh's frying pan all day. The men felt like life couldn't get much better. They were soaking in nature's beauty and feasting on Singh's cooking. As the group explored mountains, canyons, waterfalls, and the hot springs of the Sierra Nevadas, Singh continued his fine dining, camp cooking, extravaganza. Mather's plan was working. Grosvenor, the editor of the National Geographic magazine, promised a full issue covering the beauty of the U.S. landscapes and the need to preserve it. They made a pact to establish the new Kings Canyon Park and establish the National Park Service. They passed through Junction Meadows and just beyond Crabtree Meadows to the base of Mount Whitney. Over another glorious dinner, they made plans to climb Mount Whitney. When morning arrived, Singh had breakfast ready and lunches packed. 
It wasn't an easy hike, but Mather and the crew made it to the top of the highest mountain in the continental U.S. They could see all the way into Death Valley, the lowest point in the U.S. They were almost giddy, posing for photos and boasting to each other about their triumph. Then the storm clouds rolled in, and they scrambled to get down the mountain. With little warning, it started snowing. They could barely see the trail in front of them. The snow turned to rain, rain turned to sleet, but somehow, despite being cold, wet, and tired, they started singing. By the time they got back to camp, there was a roaring fire, and Sing had prepared one of the best meals yet. Mather was on to something with his ideas about hard moments bounced with good food and modern comforts that lifted the spirits of all the men. The following day, everyone moved a little more slowly. Sore muscles and the realization that the end of the adventure was approaching meant that no one was in a big hurry. Black clouds hung in the sky and thunder rumbled with glimpses of lightning flashing in the distance. Yet there was also a glow of warm sunshine in the air. They broke camp and moved over Siberian Pass through the fields of blue and yellow down to Whitney Meadows surrounded by 13,000-foot peaks. Golden Trout Creek was only a short distance away, and for the next day and a half, the men relaxed, fished, and traded stories. Again, it felt like they were living in paradise. From Whitney Meadows to Cottonwood Pass, then down to Horseshoe Meadows, it was a mellow day, mostly downhill. Cars were scheduled to pick them up tomorrow, and whisk some of them to Yellowstone and others home. They were returning to civilization. It was an end to their adventure, and their cavemen-like beards. Singh pulled out all the stops for the final dinner. He hung paper lanterns in the tree, prepared bouquets of wildflowers for each table setting, draped the improvised table with the still inexplicably white tablecloth, and he cooked and he cooked. The dinner was one of the best yet, and as a final treat, Singh prepared individual fortune cookies for all of the guests. It was a small token that made a big impression on the group. Marshall, the chief of the USGS, treasured his fortune that said, Long may you search the mountains. Mathers, the instigator of this wild adventure, boasted that his fortune read, The sound of your laughter will fill these mountains when you are in the sky. Standing around the fire late into the night, they relived their adventures. No one could repay Singh and the other staff for the care they provided on the adventure. The guests gathered coins, trinkets, and a few favorite clothing items to share with Singh. However, the most important thing they gave was their energy to the cause. Mather implored the men to remember the significance of the beautiful, wild lands that they had experienced together. And he challenged them to protect, expand, preserve the land for future generations to enjoy. As the smoke from the bonfire lifted into the sky and dispersed into the wind, so did this message. They carried these memories and their bonds of friendship for many years. They advocated for the creation of the National Park Service and the preservation of wild land across the United States. Many say that modern ideas of conservation and wilderness were born in that moment. Every person had an important role in making the National Park Service a success, but perhaps Singh's role was the most underestimated of all. Who's hungry and inspired? Thank you for listening to the Adventure Almanac Podcast. This podcast was produced by the team at Adventure Nerds, and music was by Dr. Turtle, Jason Shaw, Josh Woodward, and Rest You Sleeping Giant. What is your go-to meal in nature? <laughs>